peeps, please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the family. All right, so now that that's out of the way, let's get into this. Our movement is about replacing a failed and corrupt political establishment with a new government controlled by you, the American people. The Washington establishment and the financial and media corporations that fund it exist for only one reason, to protect and enrich itself. The establishment has trillions of dollars at stake in this election. For those who control the levers of power in Washington and for the global special interest, they partner with these people that don't have your good in mind. Our campaign represents a true existential threat like they haven't seen before. This is not simply another four-year election. This is a crossroads in the history of our civilization that will determine whether or not we, the people, reclaim control over our government. The political establishment that is trying to stop us is the same group responsible for our disastrous trade deals, massive illegal immigration, and economic and foreign policies that have bled our country dry. The political establishment has brought about the destruction of our factories and our jobs as they flee to Mexico, China, and other countries all around the world. It's a global power structure that is responsible for the economic decisions that have robbed our working class, stripped our country of its wealth, and put that money into the pockets of a handful of large corporations and political entities. This is a struggle for the survival of our nation. And this will be our last chance to save it. This election will determine whether we're a free nation or whether we have only the illusion of democracy, but are in fact controlled by a small handful of global special interests rigging the system, and our system is rigged. This is reality. You know it, they know it, I know it, and pretty much the whole world knows it. The Clinton machine is at the center of this power structure. We've seen this firsthand in the WikiLeaks documents in which Hillary Clinton meets in secret with international banks to plot the destruction of U.S. sovereignty in order to enrich these global financial powers, her special interest friends, and her donors. Honestly, she should be locked up. The most powerful weapon deployed by the Clintons is the corporate media the press. Let's be clear on one thing. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. They're a political special interest, no different than any lobbyist or other financial entity with a total political agenda. And the agenda is not for you, it's for themselves. Anyone who challenges their control is deemed a sexist, a racist, a xenophobe. They will lie 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 and then again they will do worse than that they will do whatever is necessary the clintons are criminals remember that this is well documented 
and the establishment that protects them has engaged in a massive cover-up of widespread criminal activity at the State Department and the Clinton Foundation in order to keep the Clintons in power. They knew they would throw every lie they could at me and my family and my loved ones. They knew they would stop at nothing to try to stop me. Nevertheless, I take all of these slings and arrows gladly for you. I take them for our movement so that we can have our country back. I knew this day would arrive. It's only a question of when. And I knew the American people would rise above it and vote for the future they deserve. The only thing that can stop this corrupt machine is you. The only force strong enough to save our country is us. The only people brave enough to vote out this corrupt establishment is you, the American people. Our great civilization has come upon a moment of reckoning. I didn't need to do this, folks, believe me. I built a great company and I had a wonderful life. I could have enjoyed the fruits and benefits of years of successful business deals and businesses for myself and my family, instead of going through this absolute horror show of lies, deceptions, malicious attacks. Who would have thought? I'm doing it because this country has given me so much, and I feel so strongly that it's my turn to give back to the country that I love. I'm doing this for the people and for the movement and we will take back this country for you and we will make America great again. Ah, that video never, ever, ever gets old, and that's what it's all about. So, what is going on, friends and family? God bless you, and uh, Merry Christmas, and Happy Birthday, Jesus, right? That's what it's all about. So, hello to everybody out there on YouTube, and DLive, and Facebook, and Twitter, and we were on LinkedIn, but uh, that's why we started a minute late. For some reason, uh, the stream didn't want to transmit over to LinkedIn, so it's I don't know, it was messing with us a little bit, so... I guess we're not on LinkedIn right now because it didn't uh, it didn't want to work for us, but that's all right. And um, big apologies on the last stream. Um, I didn't do the uh, the chest payout on DLive. So today, remind me, <laughs> but I'm going to do uh, a 15,000 lemon uh, giveaway there. It's Christmas and uh, to make up for forgetting last time. All right. So everybody on DLive, you know, I'll be giving away 15,000 lemons at the end there as well. All right. So. Got a lot of stuff to cover here today. And um, oh, before I forget, uh, big thanks to Damon. So Damon in Southern California, he sent me a, a care package. Um, and I, I just saw it like a day or two ago. So big thanks. It's some some beard products and <laughs> a couple uh, uh, Bitcoins, but you know, not real Bitcoins, but they're uh, just like metal Bitcoins. You know, they're not they're not the digital kind, not the twenty five thousand dollar Bitcoins, the, the little, you know, like. I don't know what you would call them, collectibles. So big thanks to Damon. Appreciate you. I won't uh, say your last name, but uh, yeah, big thanks. Love you. So today, anyways, we get uh, a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, we're going to cover some Trump news. Uh, we're going to cover the uh, the Pence card. So I don't know if you remember or not, but um, on our last stream, I think we had Justin Formed on with us. 
and there was all this talk about um, this guy Ivan uh, was talking about this uh, this Pence card that uh, he had to play by the twenty third, and I said, you know, relax, relax, fam. You know, it's this is not. You know, we're not saying it's not going to happen, but this doesn't have to happen. All right. So don't get your don't get your hopes way up there and then don't get uh, super sad or depressed if and when it doesn't happen, because uh, I didn't think that, you know, it would happen. But, you know, I mean, it would have been great if it did. Right. But um, anyways, I, I'd warned you all. And as we know, it didn't it didn't happen. Um, so I want to go over what that is. And then I also want to go over to um, kind of the electoral process, because a lot of people don't understand how the electoral college works. They don't understand, you know, the delegates. They don't understand, like, the contingent, you know, election. So it's, you know, again, it's, it's complicated stuff, but I'm going to try to to dumb it down as much as I can. I didn't get a ton of sleep, so I'm, I'm a little bit tired. But I'm going to do my best. And again, none of this stuff is, you know, scripted. This is just me uh, <laughs> going to be up here talking. And this this type of explanation, of course, would be much better in like a 15-minute video or something that was super polished and super scripted and stuff that other people do. But we're just uh, here hanging out on Christmas. Uh, so just hanging out with the fam. And then, um, of course, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Roger Stone, a little bit about Adam Schiff, and then, um, of course, you know, why Trump wins, regardless of all the haters. And I know on Christmas, you're going to be around, you know, some people that, you know, have lost the faith, right? They just think that, uh, you know, Trump is done. You know, I get it all the time. I get it from friends and family all the time. They're like, oh, you're, you're one of those guys. Huh? You still think. It's like, you can see, I mean, I think even Sidney Powell uh, tweeted it out or retweeted it out. that There was somebody that was fired from the CIA that um, supposedly had, a, I guess, access to the real, um, you know, electoral votes that actually saw how everything really played out in live time. Because we know that there was packets of data being sent while the election was going on. And people, even other countries, allegedly, um, saw what the real election results were. And this uh, CIA whistleblower of sorts that lost his job because of it said that the actual electoral votes were around 411 for Trump. And we know that he had more votes than any president has ever got. We know just figuring out how many voters there were that if you take his, you know, vote count, um, and you look at the amount of voters, you realize that there's 13 million more votes than people and they all went to biden so it's just very simple math okay so very simple math you can see that these things are there's a lot of shenanigans going on all right so we know there's a lot of shenanigans we know that you know these uh these voting machines were flipping votes or doing shenanigans we know that um you know there was lots of ballots that were thrown away that were burned that were just disregarded all kinds of stuff right so anyways we know the truth and our elected officials whether they're elected or not, maybe that's how they got in, right? They know too, okay? A lot of them know too. And so God bless the patriots that are standing up. Problem is, there's not that many of them, all right? But it doesn't take a majority to do it. It just takes, you know, the, it, it takes the, I guess, the the few that are very vocal and the people that, uh, you know, kind of like Mo Brooks, right? It takes it takes some of those guys to make people do what's do what's right for the people. Like we saw with Trump over the past four years, these uh, these leaders, so to speak, were doing the right thing more than they'd ever done before because they were being held accountable. So we're gonna have to see some of that. Also, um, I noticed that after we post these videos, there's people pretending to be me, answering questions or asking you to go places. 
and it even shows like you know like the crypto beetles logo it has like my picture it even says like crypto beetles but if you look at their actual channel there's like a little space or a little apostrophe over the s things like that so know that if you know most most of my comments uh, you know, like on YouTube and things like that is just, you know, always, you know, just love you. God bless you. I don't ever ask you to do anything. I don't ask you to go somewhere. I don't ask you to join some group. I don't ask you to, you know, start buying crypto or any of that kind of stuff. So if you ever see that, just know that it's a scammer and, and don't fall for it. All right. So I want to make sure I covered that because I saw quite a bit of that. Um, and then like, like I was saying um, on Wednesday's stream with, with just informed, um, I have this way of, uh, going against the grain and just telling people how it is. Um, and if these are my truths or my beliefs. Doesn't mean they're always right. Uh, these are kind of just like the way I see things. Um, I've done this, you know, throughout my life and it's, thank God it's worked out most of the times. Um, so there's, I know that a lot of people weren't happy with me on, on Wednesday when I said, you know, don't, don't uh, count on this uh, Pence card happening. Right. And just like, you know, people got upset at me when I said, you know, these watermark ballots are, are BS because every state handles, you know, their ballots differently. And yes, some states do have watermarks, just like California has watermarks. But we are, we already know all the shenanigans that happen. Right. But there's a lot of states that just, you know, print you know, their own ballots. And so I told people, you know, get, get, get that out of your head because what they're trying to do is just keep you from taking action, keeping you from being vocal, keeping you to think that all this stuff is going to be fine. Uh, there's a plan in place, you know, this, there's this sting operation that's going to catch all these, you know, fake ballots. And as we see, that didn't happen, right? So I caught flack for that. I caught flack for um, talking about blockchain, how blockchain would not be used in this election. And that the USPS is probably the last person we want counting our votes. And as we've seen, that probably held true, right? Because of all the shenanigans um, allegedly um, having to do with, you know, the, the postal carriers and things like that. So I talked about that back in July saying that it's not a real blockchain. There's no way this is going to happen. Relax, relax. <laughs> you know, we need to use paper ballots and things like that. Uh, just like with the, um, the Texas Supreme Court, everybody was super excited. I'm like, chill. This is um, this is great. I'm glad that they're doing this, but it's the things that come after this or because of this that have teeth. This one right here really doesn't. And we saw what happened with that. So anyways, I just um, just putting that out there for you. Sometimes I say things that um, are controversial or, you know, they, they go against the grain. People don't like to hear that stuff, but I just these are my truths. And so these are my opinions and they usually pan out. So, again, Trump wins. So you're going to see that happen. There's a ton of paths, a ton of paths that uh, he can take. Um, some of it's going to require bold action, though. Some of it is definitely going to require bold action. So we'll get into that. Also, um, God bless, you know, our troops, right? So everybody that's um, overseas and in all these foreign lands uh, away from their, you know, their family and friends, you know, God bless you. We love you. We definitely uh, respect and appreciate you. And who knows, you might be needed here pretty soon. So, and I know that's against people like Steve Bannon and I, I love Steve and uh, I mean, a lot of these people, but I really think bold action is going to have to happen here because we can see that our, our justice system has totally failed us. And I'm not saying it couldn't be fixed. If you were, if you uh, get rid of some of the, uh, the people at the top, like you've seen the, the issues we have with like the DOJ and FBI and you know, if you remove those those top leaders and put somebody there in place, then it's possible. It's possible that uh, the rest would fall in line. But we know that um, we, we hear it all the time from our friends and our family saying, you know, when are the arrests going to happen? When are the arrests going to happen? I just want to see somebody go to jail. I hear it all the time. And unfortunately, the people that you see getting arrested are the people that are, seem to always be 
um, having issues with the law are fellow Trump supporters or part of Trump's team. It's, you know, everybody from like Manafort, Roger Stone, General Michael Flynn, the, the list goes on and on, right? So we know that we have a real issue with our Justice Department. So, and with, you know, just our, our justice system. And I really do believe that it's going to require some uh, interaction with the, with, with our with our military it's gonna have to i believe and i could be wrong and you can play this back you know in a month or two months or three months or whatever it's gonna be um and say hey beatles you're wrong I'm like okay cool i'll own it but i have a feeling you're gonna play this back and be like well it's another time he was right all right it's just common sense when everything is broke you need something you need something outside to fix it all right uh let's jump into some of these patriots all right some of the patriots we have out there Let's go ahead and, and get this going here. Let me do the old share screen. I think that's the right one. Yeah. All right. So, oh, yeah, before, all right, so before I start sharing Patriots, for people that um, are going to be with uh, their family today, all right, hopefully everybody, hopefully we do some uh, civil disobedience and, uh, you know, we have a, a great uh, Christmas with, with family and friends and great food and great times. And, uh, for people that are still trying to explaining uh, to family members and friends um, where we've got this information. So there's too much information and too much proof of shenanigans to hit them with, um, you know, in a, I don't know, in a, in a very short conversation. This is the easiest way that I can think of to do it. It's about 36 pages. And if they just read, you know, the summary and the conclusion, it literally will take them less than a minute. Then they have all the proof. They have all the facts that they need to see how all these shenanigans transpired. And this, of course, is from Peter Navarro. It's called the Immaculate Deception. So I will drop the link right now for you, and I will do it again at the end. So let me go ahead and put that right there. All right, so that way everybody, hopefully that works. Give it one second here. Awesome. All right, so that's there in the uh, chat. So people can download, you all can download this uh, PDF and feel free to share it with your friends and family. You can just email it right to their phone and they can, you know, read through it whenever they have time. Right. So whether they're, you know, right there at the uh, at the old dinner table or sitting on the can, whatever they want, they'll have access to it anytime. All right. So let's start off with some Patriots. We mentioned these uh, people on on Wednesday. All right. And so. If you remember the the bill that uh, was put forward is like 5,500 or 5,700 pages of just pork and pretty much the end of America bill because there's so many things there that you could uh, interpret different ways. It uh, would really hurt our country for sure. And there, it was really sad that only about 10% of our officials or leaders, whatever you want to call them, I hate to use the word elected because as we've seen with all these shenanigans, it's really hard to say how many of them were rightfully you know, put in, in, in place and have stayed in place for decades and decades, especially when they do nothing but uh, you know, seem to help themselves and family. So these people here, so we got Blackburn in Tennessee and uh, prayers to everybody there um, for that, what happened there with that, that RV. I, I don't know all the details. Uh, hopefully nobody was hurt. You can find a lot of information on uh, Pepe's uh, grandma's uh, Twitter page, as well as I think it's called uh, Bad Kitty. So her, her, her handle is Bad Kitty, and she's got uh, supposedly a witness on her Twitter page that explained what happened. So I, I won't get into all that. You can you can find it there. But prayers to uh, prayers to Tennessee. So you got Blackburn there. You got Cruz, Johnson, Lee, Paul, and Scott. All right. 
So you got these people here, and this is from Purple POV. Thank you. And then you've got these people here in Congress, and I'm not going to read off all 53 of them, all right? But there's 435 congressmen and women, all right? Only 53 of them oppose that. So these are the people here that, you know, we need to keep an eye on and thank. And when you add up the what, six in the, in the 53, you've got like, what, 59? And so we've got, what, 535 total uh, leaders between Congress and the Senate. You have 100 senators and 435 congressmen and women. So you got 53 nays, and then you've got uh, six. All right, so that's what we're looking at. So that's... Uh, that's scary. But, you know, 10 percent. I mean, if you've got uh, I mean, look, I say one percent of the country is crazy, like Antifa types. And you can see how um, they make a lot of noise. And a lot of a lot of the world thinks that's what America is, because we've got a corrupt press that gives them all the spotlight and all the coverage and makes everybody think that's what America is. But again, I've always said I believe 80 percent is conservative and they just want to live their lives. They're not into all that crazy stuff. So anyways. We also need to, um, you know, thank people like this new Congresswoman Bobert. All right, so God bless Bobert. She is a, a gun-toting conservative. Joins other Republicans like, like Gates there in Florida. Congressman-elect uh, Madison Cawthorn. Remember, he's the the guy in the wheelchair. That uh, super uh, well-spoken and uh, patriotic. I believe. I believe he lost the use of his legs. I believe in a car accident. So that's. That's horrible. But um, and then it got uh, incoming uh, center. You got uh, the coach, Tommy Tuberville. Uh, they've all signaled their intent to object to the Electoral College in support of President Trump's claims of shenanigans. All right. So God bless Bobert. We got another one. All right. So the list is getting bigger and we'll explain what all that actually means uh, here in a little bit and how you can contest these electoral uh, votes. Uh, there's also something that came out here, too. That um, if you remember, this was um, this has to do with the Supreme Court lack of ruling on the Texas Supreme Court case where it had all the support from all these all these different states and congressmen and women and senators. And basically, the Supreme Court, SCOTUS, just uh, punted and said, you don't have standing, which I said from the very beginning, I thought that was wrong because they absolutely do have standing if they. Um, did everything constitutionally, all right? So if they held a constitutional election and they voted for Trump, yet all these other states did things unconstitutionally, like we can prove, and they get Biden, um, obviously that's standing because the people that did it correctly, per our founding fathers, would have Trump. And the people that did things shenanigans-wise, okay? And we're using shenanigans because if we use the other words, YouTube take down this video and shut down the channel and all that kind of stuff. So we'll just call it shenanigans. This will all play out and everybody will know what it really is in the end. Uh, but again, yeah, there is there is standing because the people that did things unconstitutionally, they end up with uh, Biden and the people that do things constitutionally, they end up with Trump. So there absolutely is standing and the fact that they punted just uh, shows uh, moral cowardice. All right, moral cowardice. So Anyways, um, I'm just going to read the, the highlighted areas right here. This is something new that, uh, that came out, I believe, yesterday. And so it says that uh, the Western Journal uh, exclusive uh, bombshell new legal uh, memo giving Trump supporters hope on Christmas Eve. So it's talking about overcoming the punt that the Supreme Court did in Texas. So it says in refusing to hear Texas versus Pennsylvania, the U.S. Supreme Court See, it um, abdicated its constitutional duty to resolve a real and substantial controversy among states that was properly brought as 
an original action in that court. As a result, the court has come under intense criticism, rightfully so, for having evaded the most important interstate constitutional case brought to it in many decades, if not ever. However, even in its order dismissing the case, the Supreme Court identified how another challenge could be brought successfully by a different plaintiff. This paper explains that legal strategy. But first, we focus on the errors made by the Supreme Court in hopes that they will not be made again. So I'm not going to go through this, but this is essentially um, a new lawsuit or one, I don't know if it's currently been brought yet, but it appears it will be brought, or this is at least the outline for how to bring it. Um, and essentially, it's the United States suing the Supreme Court. So um, that's that's what it is, uh, because, again, uh, there is standing for everybody in the United States um, and for all these states, because any state that doesn't vote, um, you know, per the Constitution has uh, created harm to the states that uh, actually did. So anyways, this is reasons for great hope at Christmas and rejecting the invocation by the state of Texas, by the original jurisdiction of the Supreme Court to resolve the dispute between Texas and four other states that has refused to abide by the terms of the presidential electors clause. And we'll get into that. Uh, for now, a majority of the justices foreclosed um, that the use of the constitutional safeguard by Texas to provide a peaceful means of resolving the controversy that has deeply divided states and the citizens of this republic as at no time since the 1860s. That consequence is too dangerous to be allowed to stand. The same case previously brought by Texas were now brought uh, by the United States of America. Um, there is every reason to believe that the Supreme Court would be compelled to understand it must hear it and decide it favorably. All right. Although outcomes are never certain, it is believed and hoped that a majority of Supreme Court of the Supreme Court could never take the position that the United States has no business enforcing the process established in the Constitution by which we select the one government official who represents all the people. The POTUS, President of the United States. So this is going to be something to watch. This here has teeth. All right. So this has teeth. But again, Depending on uh, what remedies they seek, uh, it could uh, be a, like a nothing burger, too, because if the remedies they seek are just to get people to do their jobs, we see how freaking difficult that is, right? We see how we're constantly being uh, betrayed by our leaders that refuse to do their job or actually work against the people all the time, whether it's Governor Kemp or you see like the Secretary of State Rathensberger or Doug Ducey or all these different people, right? The, um, the Board of Supervisors there in uh, Arizona, is it Arizona? Yeah, Arizona, the, the officials in Nevada, you see all these issues. So you really need to have substantial remedies there uh, versus just make people do their job. And now it's incumbent on us um, to make sure that these leaders hear from us and we're demanding that they do their job. But again, it, we need to have uh, some real remedies in place here other than just you know making people uh, do their job, all right? So again, that's just my opinion. I'm going to get some stuff wrong here for sure, because this is um, super complicated and um, we're going to get into how this electoral uh, process kind of works. Um, and, you know, it, this is a lot of this stuff, unfortunately, is open to interpretation, um, you know, because it's um, it, it's kind of broadly written in some in some cases. Some of it's a little, you know, a little vague or whatever you want to call it. Um, this this could actually like make your head explode, you know, trying to uh, go through all this stuff and 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 realize all the, 
I, I mean, you could just speculate all the different kinds of, of outcomes. And um, I tried to get uh, a couple of constitutional lawyers on, but it was kind of short notice. And I kept getting hit up about this a lot. So I figured, well, I'll just do, um, you know, my best uh, to explain this the best that I can. And I'm not a constitutional attorney. Um, you know, I've just uh, kind of self-educated, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I don't want to get into my background too much. I don't want to put you to sleep. But anyways, self-educated, big business builder, stuff like that. Um, not a constitutional um, scholar, even though my great uncle was one of the guys that helped write it, you know, Benjamin Franklin. Um, so anyways, just know that then I'll probably get some of this stuff wrong here. So feel free to call me out on it. Um, but this is just kind of my interpretation of it. And I think it's a lot better than what we see from other people. Um, because it's really hard to find something that kind of sums everything up, the potential outcomes, um, what this stuff, how it was designed, how it changed, potential outcomes, contingent elections, all this kind of stuff. It's hard to kind of find like a, a video that it kind of explains that stuff. And so, um, again, this isn't scripted or any of that kind of stuff. It's just me rambling on here. All right. So this is kind of how it starts. All right. So this is um, from the Constitution. So this is Article 2. This is Section 1, Clause 2. All right. So it says each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature, therefore, may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress, but no senator or representative or person holding an office of trust or profit under the United States shall be appointed an elector. All right. So there's 538 of them. Okay. So you've got a hundred from the Senate. So basically you've got um, each state, you know, gets um, you know, two votes from the Senate and then they get the amount of votes uh, per Congress, per people that they have. So like, say, for instance, California has 55 congressmen and women, they would get 55, you know, electoral votes, or say they had 53 and two senators, they would have 55 electoral votes, right? So that's, this is kind of how it works. And then Washington, D.C. gets three, all right? So 435 votes from Congress, 100 uh, votes from senators, and then three from Washington, D.C. That makes up the electoral college, all right? So we won't go into how, um, you know, they pick all these um, these these delegates to cast votes, but um, you can you can figure out what safe harbor is. You can figure out the eighth and the fourteenth. Basically, it's kind of like they nominate who they want to be their uh, the people casting the votes. All right. So this is where we start getting into the uh, the Pence card. All right. So I'm going to read from a few of these articles here, so the people that don't know exactly what it really meant or what it really is. We will um, kind of cover that and break it down a little bit for you, all right? So love everybody out there. Love you all. God bless you all. Sorry, I haven't been checking the chat. Got a ton of love here. Love you back. And I, we'd be here all day just uh, thanking everybody. So just know I, I see you. Love you. God bless you. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy Birthday, Jesus, right? <laughs> all right. So this is uh, the Pence card. It says that um, Mike Pence must do this. President Trump retweets Operation Pence card urging his VP to act on fraud, well, on shenanigans. Sorry, YouTube. So on shenanigans, right? So I believe it started uh, by a guy named Ivan. I actually reached out to him to uh, have him come on and explain why he thought this, because supposedly he had put in like 400 hours of, uh, of research into this. And uh, I hit him up on Twitter and he said, sure, but then he never got back to me. So uh, anyway, so Ivan Raiklin, I believe is where this started, potentially, potentially. Because uh, there's another person or another group that takes credit for it as well. So anyways, um, Ivan definitely put a lot of work in on this. And uh, President Trump did retweet it. So there's definitely some some credence here. 
Uh, anyways, it says, uh, many experts believe that um, VP Pence has the duty to throw out electoral college recommendations in the 2020 election that are based on shenanigans. Um, this will then force these states to have their legislature choose the set of delegates they believe will best represent the state election results. So Ivan Raikland has studied the Constitution and found some absolutely fascinating information. He is reporting that a peaceful and constitutionally lawful resolution to the situation we are in is at hand and may begin today. All right. So this is um, this is what he basically uh, put together. And then he actually put together a, uh, a letter for Pence that all Pence had to do essentially was sign it and send it. All right. Um, so anyways, it says, you know, later today, President Trump retweeted this on Wednesday. This puts pressure on his VP to act in obedience to the U.S. Constitution. If Mike Pence fails to act, he will lose the Trump voters. We don't need another uh, weakling Republican. If Mike Pence chooses to do what is right, it will put him in position for 2024. It's Mike's choice. All right. So there's one article on it. Um, here is a little bit more. So this uh, talks about uh, says White House memo details how Pence card can save Trump's presidency on December 23rd. It says sources in the Trump administration confirmed to national file that President uh, Donald Trump's uh, most vocal advocates within the White House have determined that both U.S. code and the Constitution contain language that requires Vice President Pence to reject unlawful electoral college certificates. But Pence must act by no later than Wednesday, December 23rd. The drafters of the White House memo believe that the federal check to the state's election resides with VP Pence in his roles as president of the Senate. And so people that don't know, um, the vice president is the president of the Senate. All right, we'll get into what that means here in a little bit. Additionally, Pence has the sole power to determine whether to reject impermissible states, say due to shenanigans, excuse me, uh, states of electors. However, Pence is legally required to do this on the fourth Wednesday in December, which this year falls on December 23rd. All right. Says this is not an option for Pence. If he intends to follow the law from December 23rd until January 6th, he must instruct these states to remedy their electoral college certificates. And it says from the memo, the judgment, all of these factors above inform and contribute to the vice president's analysis in deciding that he and the representative of the federal seat of government did not receive a constitutionally permissible slate of electors. For that reason, he is not only duty bound to request that the state send certificates and lists as required by Title III of the United States Constitution, Sections 9 and 11, from electors that were appointed in the manner that the state legislatures directed as soon as possible. He is also the sole plenary power that has the authority to make this determination. All right. Then we got to think one more right here. Um, let's see. Let's see if I got anything up top here. Yeah. So it says uh, this talks about how Trump uh, retweeted the copy of the memo. Uh, starting online conversations between people outlining authorities and powers that VP Pence could have used by midnight Wednesday night to stop the certification of electors in troubled states where there was uh, suspected shenanigans. And it appears that Pence chose to ignore those powers, which according to some posters result in him being named in a lawsuit by the Amistad Project. Okay, so that's uh, Phil Klein for people out there um, that are trying to remember, you know, what's the Amistad Project? Well, that's Phil Klein and his group. Amazing patriot. He used to be the uh, attorney general for Kansas, if I remember right. Um, that is one version of the story, uh, which may, uh, which many people are following. There is another version of the constitutional duties Pence has that says Wednesday is not an important date in the process at all. And January 6th is the most important date. That's what I was saying on last Wednesday. 
right? Because I was like, well, the 23rd, uh, I don't know. I think the 6th is where, where it's at. Um, obviously, there's things that have to happen by the 23rd, and, and we'll get into that. But we don't know if it did or didn't. Uh, but we do know the most important one, obviously, is January 3rd, when we have the new Congress come in, and then January 6th, where we start counting uh, votes. Anyways, um, says uh, the idea that Pence had until midnight Wednesday to pull the Pence card, which was described as Pence uh, sending demand letters to contested states whose voter tallies were suspect. All right, the Gateway Pundit reported on the matter and said many experts believe that VP Pence has the duty to throw out Electoral College recommendations in the 2020 election that are uh, based on shenanigans. All right, so you got Ivan again, says suspiciously. So here's where I was talking about, and other people are taking credit for this, um, in addition to Ivan. Ivan looks like he did you know, all the work, but again, this here says suspiciously the Lincoln Project, which is made up of a bunch of uh, rhinos and stuff, right? Um, a group of, actually they call it a group of failed Republican consultants with ties to foreign interests who hate Trump, took credit for starting the idea that Pence would betray Trump with the Pence card which then led to an article in Axios that allowed the leftist media to attack Trump and dehumanize him, the Lincoln Project bragging. So maybe they're not taking credit for actual, um, you know, the actual report itself. Uh, they're just taking credit for, um, you know, basically making it sound uh, more important than maybe it is and saying that uh, Pence would betray Trump of sorts. So it looks like that's what they're saying here. At this point, it is unclear what Pence's thoughts are on the Pence card play. His latest post was this. So he's got pictures of the White House there and a whole bunch of people. All right. So let's uh, start uh, breaking this down a little bit. All right. So let's start off with um, what happens on the 23rd and then what happens on the 6th. All right. So on the 23rd, it says federal law requires states to deliver certified electoral college results to the vice president serving as president of the Senate and other parties by the fourth Wednesday in December in the year 2020. That date falls on December 23rd. What happens if a state misses that deadline and can't agree on a way to handle a faithless elector or there's a dispute over the election winner between the state lawmakers and a governor, for example? You've seen that happen, right? The federal statute three of the Constitution, 12 and 13, uh, requires that the vice president or the archivist of uh, the United States to compel secretary of state or equivalent officer of that state to send the certified election results to Congress using direct mail or a messenger sent to a federal judge in the state in question if the judge has the certified election results. All right. So then on the 6th, it says Congress counts the electoral votes. So also under federal law, it says that um, a joint session of Congress is required by the 12th Amendment to count the electoral votes and declare the winners of the presidential election. That joint session of Congress is held on January 6th at 1 p.m. Okay, so that's Eastern time. When the results from each state are announced, a member of the House and Senate can jointly object. So what we keep hearing about, right? In writing. Right, to the election results from that state. The House and Senate then adjourn for up to one hour. It's actually uh, two hours uh, for up to one hour, two hours to consider the objection. If both bodies agreed, and that's uh, two hours per state. Right? If both bodies agreed to uphold the objection, the votes are excluded from the election results under the terms of the Electoral Count Act of 1887. There are several scenarios that could allow for this final vote count to be delayed in Congress. One scenario would be if the House and Senate agree 
to exclude a state's electoral votes, which would then result in a candidate not having the majority of the electoral votes. Another would be a faithless elector using, causing a tie in the Electoral College voting. The 12th Amendment then calls for a runoff or contingent elections in the House to select the president and the Senate to select a vice president. Those elections would need to be finished by noon on January 20th, 2021, for the next president and the vice president to take their oaths of office. If that does not happen, the Speaker of the House, that would be Nancy Pelosi currently, currently, possibly, I'll get into this a little bit more, um, would serve as president. Could you imagine that? Nancy Pelosi serving as president until Congress certifies a winner of the 2020 presidential election. Remember, though, she still has to be uh, voted as Speaker of the House. And there's still a crap ton of controversy, which has been around since our first Congress, as, as to um, who actually would take the place of president. It's been commonly thrown out there that, oh, it would be Nancy Pelosi. But I disagree. All right. I disagree. And I'll, I'll state my argument as to why here in a little bit. All right. So right now, this is this would be Nancy Pelosi if if they don't determine uh, a president um, or vice president by the 20th. All right. At noon, high noon. All right. So uh, let's get into this right here. All right. So this is uh, Article one, Section two, Clause three of the Constitution. This talks about how these electoral votes shall be counted. All right. So back in the day when this was written, all right, it says that uh, Massachusetts eight, and you can see all these different states, how they get their uh, their votes. All right. Well, this was changed. All right. So this changed to the 12th Amendment. All right. So um, I, I already read um, kind of a summary of it, but here is the actual text. I'm going to read it, trying to fall asleep. But this is one of the reasons why uh, this is it, you know, it's 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 kind of uh, contested. Um, it's it's hard. I mean, you could you could say that I'm completely wrong in what I'm going to be saying, or you could say I'm completely right because a lot of this stuff is kind of open to interpretation. And you can see, you know, presidents in the past. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff is is highly debated. So uh, this this could play out a lot of different ways. But anyways, trying to fall asleep here. So the Twelfth Amendment: the electors shall meet in the respective states and vote by ballot ballot for president, vice president, one of whom at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. They shall name in their ballots the person voted for as president and in distinct ballots the person voted for as vice president, and they shall make distinct lists of all persons voted for as president and all of persons voted for as vice president and of the number of votes for each, which lists they shall sign and certify and transmit sealed to the seat of the government of the United States directed to the president of the Senate. The president of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and the House of Representatives, open all the certificates and the votes shall then be counted. All right. I really want to explain stuff here, but I'm going to keep reading. All right. Uh, the person having the greatest number um, of votes for president shall be the president. If such number be a majority of the whole number of the electors appointed, and if no person has such majority, then from the from the persons having the highest numbers not exceeding three on the list of those voted for as president, the House of Representatives shall choose immediately by ballot the president. But in choosing the president, the votes shall be taken by states. The representative from each state Having one vote, a quorum for this purpose shall consist of a member or members from two-thirds of the states, and a majority of the states shall be necessary to a choice. 
The person having the greatest number of votes as vice president shall be the vice president. If such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed, and if no person have a majority, then from the two highest numbers on the list, the Senate shall choose the vice president. A quorum for the purpose shall consist of two-thirds of the whole number of senators, and a majority of the whole number shall be necessary to a choice. But no person constitutionally ineligible to the office of president shall be eligible to that of vice president to the United States. Okay, so there is a lot of stuff. There are some people that are constitutional scholars. They'll be like, what's your problem, Beatles? That's pretty freaking straightforward. But as you can see right there, you know, that little paragraph um, has a lot of legalese in it. And it has a lot of things that you kind of have to interpret. Things like, you know, the, the president of the Senate, right, should, um, you know, be, be counting the votes. Well, Okay, well, if you go back to like Ivan, well, what does counting the votes actually mean? Does that mean that, you know, he's just simply, you know, counting or he is, um, you know, basically certifying or he's he's only counting, let's say, legal ones that um, aren't based in shenanigans. Right. So you have lots of little things like that. And then I love this one at the end it says, but no person constitutionally ineligible to the office of president shall be eligible to that of vice president to the United States. So basically there's lots of, I don't know um, if it's, if it is exactly uh, filed in court yet, but for instance, Biden has got some problems in the Ukraine. It appears that in that last pork bill, there's about what, $500 million going to the Ukraine on the surface. That looks like to me, and this is just my opinion, a payoff of sorts, but there's lots of things that uh, would consider him to be possibly constitutionally ineligible, say, for instance, um, his family or somebody like that is under investigation or possibly he's under investigation or possibly he's named in a lawsuit. I don't know. I don't know. But it leaves a lot to interpretation. So, I mean, what does ineligible mean? Right. Um, what is like, for instance, um, you know, Harris, you know, her parents weren't born in the United States. She's what's called like an anchor baby, right? Where she uh, was born. So if you interpret the con the constitution, the people are still on the fence about this. Like if you're born here, does that really make you a citizen? If your parents aren't citizens, people, they go back and forth. It's just been widely accepted that, yeah, we just call them, I guess, anchor babies and they're citizens. But that another thing there, I mean, it's, it's up for debate, right? That's just a couple examples. So here, let me check the chat really quick. Um, let me check here really quick. All right. Oh, another thing, too, is um, so on the 23rd, he was supposed to, um, you know, get basically get the votes. But we don't know exactly. Uh, I mean, certified mail, possibly. But when things were written, maybe it could be email. Maybe it could be posted on a website. You know, maybe uh, it was sent to him by a hot air balloon. A lot of this stuff is kind of open for debate there as well. Let me uh, check the chat really quick, make sure everything's still going on. <laughs> all right. Love you all. God bless you. Awesome. Got uh, a ton of people here on, on YouTube and DLive. And what is up, fam? Love you all. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Yeah. And then uh, James Holleran. Yeah. Yeah. James, we'll get into that. We will get into that, my friend. And very sorry, too, James. Um, I accidentally muted you on the uh, on the Wednesday stream. I did not mean to do that. So sorry again, James. I did not mean to do that. I hit the wrong button. Um, so anyways, this is um, right here, the U.S. Code Section 12, failure of certificates of electors to reach president of the Senate 
or the archivist of the United States demand on state for a certificate. So it says, well, let's just say this happened. All right, let's just say that he didn't get it. When no certificate of vote and list mentioned in sections 9 and 11 of the title uh, from any state shall have been received by the president of the Senate or by the archivist of the United States by the fourth Wednesday, okay, that the 23rd in December, after the meeting of the electors shall have been held, okay, that was on the 14th, the president of the Senate, um, or if he be absent from the seat of government, the archivist of the United States shall request by most expeditious method available, the secretary of state of the state to send up the certificate and list lodged with him by the electors of such state. And it shall be his duty upon receipt of such request immediately to transmit same by registered mail to the president of the Senate at the seat of government. All right. So you guys all understood that, right? All right. So let's let's just roll through this. All right, so this here is on archives.gov, and this could be interpreted, and for constitutional lawyers out there that may be tuning in, feel free to correct me, all right? Again, these are just um, my uh, best guesses, educated guesses, uh, my interpretation, and for a lot of people out there, they're completely just, they have no idea this entire process. So I'm doing the best that I can here to uh, kind of simplify things, and then I'll wrap everything up in the end, all right? But I'm just kind of breaking down how I see things and feel free to uh, you know, disagree with me. But anyways, you can go right here to the archives.gov and you can actually see all the electoral votes by each state that came from the secretary of state or governor, however they decided to do it. But this is on a website. This is posted publicly. We already know how they how the shenanigans played, whether this is whether, you know, Trump really got 411, like the dude in the CIA said, or whether, you know, all these shenanigans that we've seen unfold, you know, are not shenanigans and they're true. All right. Anyways, you can plainly go here and let's just pull up. Um, let's just do Hawaii. Why not? The great state of Hawaii. So you can actually see here that um, these are certified. All right. So this is from the governor. Let's um, go ahead and go back to let's just do California. All right, so here you can see this here is their certificate of ascertainment. All right, so this here shows their electors. It shows that everybody that pledged their vote to uh, Biden and Harris, okay? And then they actually do their John Hancocks at, uh, at the end. So you can, you can see that this stuff has already been presented. So does this mean um, that he got it exactly how the Constitution says on the 23rd. I don't know, but you can find all this stuff online. So, and with technology nowadays, I mean, you know, is an email, regular mail, I mean, we don't know exactly what's happened. Um, so this here is a really great uh, process, it, but it leaves out, actually, it's really good for how things are supposed to work, but it leaves out, um, like, um, you know, kind of the... Uh, like if, if things go really awry where you have issues with the um, uh, the vote from, say, a contingent election between the House and the Senate, it, it really doesn't do justice for that. But as far as the process goes, it lays this stuff out pretty good. So right here it says objecting to the counting of one or more electoral votes. All right. So um, this here is, say, for instance, um, the let's just say you have a congressperson and a senator in writing, they object to the votes that are being cast or presented, 
All right. So that's when they go and they have their hearing, right, for about two hours. And then they come back and they vote to see if those electoral votes should remain the way that they were placed or if they should be flipped to another candidate. All right. So that's what this here is talking about. So it says Section 15 establishes a procedure for making and acting on objections to the counting of one or more of the electoral votes from a state or the District of Columbia when the certificate or equivalent paper from each state or the District of Columbia is read, the president of the Senate shall call for objections, if any, all right? So any such objection must be presented in writing and must be signed by at least one senator and one congressperson, all right? The objection shall state clearly and concisely and without argument the ground thereof during the joint session of January 6, 2001. Sorry, well, it doesn't matter. This is going to be during the joint section, session of January 6, 2021, uh, right? Yeah, 21. Uh, the guise of offering an objection. All right, so it says, uh, when an objection properly made in writing and endorsed by at least one senator and at least one representative rece received, each house is to meet and consider it separately. The statute uh, states, no votes or papers from any other state shall be acted upon until the objections previously made to the votes or papers from any state shall have been finally disposed of. However, in 1873, before enactment of the law, now in force, the joint session agreed without objection and for reasons of convenience to entertain objections with regard to two or more states before the houses met separately on any of them. So let's see here. Um, I'll just read the first part here. It says disposing of objections. The joint session does not act on any objections that are made. Instead, the joint session is suspended. The Senate withdraws from the House uh, chamber and each house meets separately to debate the objection and vote whether based on the objection to count the vote or votes in question. Both houses must vote separately to agree to the objection by simple majority. Otherwise, the objection fails and the vote or votes are counted. All right, so then it says these procedures have been invoked twice since the enactment of the 1887 law. All right, so then it says procedures for considering objections. Section 17 lays out uh, procedures for each house to follow when debating and voting on an objection. These procedures limit debate on the objections to not more than two hours during, um, during which each member may speak only once and for not more than five minutes. Then it shall be the duty of the presiding officer of each house to put the main question without further debate. So it says under this provision, the uh, presiding officer in each house held in 1969 that a motion to table the objection was not in order. Anyways, I can keep reading, but you get the idea, right? So they can contest this one senator, one congressperson, they can test the electoral votes. They go, they have a, a hearing for about two hours. Um, the people that want to speak, they get five minutes. They're not allowed to speak more than once. So if you start talking for five minutes, you can't then again later talk for five minutes. However, it doesn't say that somebody can't. I mean, I guess you can interpret it that you can't, but somebody could allocate their time for that person to continue um, you know, the reasons why this election is full, full of shenanigans. Or you could just do it like, you know, one, say you've got, I don't know, 10 people and you have a 10 part presentation, right? So the first guy, the girl goes for four or five minutes and then the next person, the next person, the next person, it's, it can make your head explode as far as how this all could play out, but it needs to be done in a very, very simple way. So it is very clear what happened with all these uh, shenanigans. All right, let's see, which one is this here? 
All right, so this is uh, Scott R. Anderson. So I was actually going to have him on and uh, kind of explain things because he's a constitutional lawyer. And it'd be great to have everybody here in the chat be able to, um, you know, pick uh, pick his brain too as well. Um, but he uh, just is in the process, I believe, of, of having a kid. So congratulations, Scott. Uh, he wasn't able to come on. But anyways, it says, um, the process for selecting the president, if nothing else, is immensely complex. But this complexity has most likely contributed to a stability over time. Vesting different parts of the process in so many state and federal officials uh, makes it difficult for any one faction to corruptly uh, dictate the outcome. Well, and for this reason, meddling in the result would require control of numerous state legislatures. Huh? What are we saying? Governors. Huh? What are we saying? And members of Congress. <laughs> what are we saying? And a willingness on the parts of all these entities to compromise the legitimacy of the very system that empowers them. Wow. You know, it's like, give this guy a crystal ball. He says it would take that to happen. But um, uh, I think we, we're seeing that it is happening, right? Lots of shenanigans. That said, such a scenario isn't as difficult to imagine today. There you go, Scott. As it may once have been. And the closer the race, the easier it becomes to manipulate the process. When victory is just a manner of a few electoral votes, the universe of actors who need to collaborate to affect the outcome becomes much smaller and previously inconsequential ambiguities in the system can take on new relevance as they provide uh, political actors with ways to pursue their political interest without openly undermining the system. Of course, the same logic works in reverse as well, allowing those who may simply lose the race for the presidency to cast it as shenanigans. This, in turn, can provide incentives for perhaps the most dangerous scenario, one in which a particular faction facing defeat instead seeks to undermine the system in order to weaken its opponent. Huh. There are countless pressure points that the right political actors could use to derail the process altogether if doing so was in their political interest. Well, I would say office of the presidency would be a pretty big political interest. Ideally, norms of good faith and adherence to liberal democratic principles would prevail over these efforts. But even in the best of times, those principles don't always carry the day. Various actors can take steps to reduce some of these risks. But for the most part, in 2020, the die has already been cast. At this point, the best way, and this is what happened, right? At, the, at this point, the best way to avoid many of the worst scenarios is simply for one candidate or another to win by large enough margin that the costs of chicanery outweigh the likely benefits. Huh. If the margins are instead close then the incentive for manipulation grows greater. In that case, the United States may well find itself walking down some of these difficult paths in the weeks and months to come. Well, this is exactly what happened, except the large enough margin that we saw happening got put on pause. And then they turned election night into election week, election month, and it's, it's just filled with shenanigans. And so if you go back to the Peter Navarro report, um, it lays it out very concisely and very well as to what I'm talking about for people that still think uh, there was no shenanigans in this election. Uh, just read The Immaculate Deception by Peter Navarro. Just read the summary. All right. Just read the summary, read the conclusion, or you can read the guts of it. It's like 36 pages long. All right. So let's go back to uh, Congress. Congress has a role in this. All right. So indeed it does. The newly elected 117th Congress will be sworn, sworn in on January 3rd, 2021. Three days later, it is supposed to assemble in joint session to formally open the electors uh, ballots, count them and declare a winner. 
Only then is the president officially elected. Any pair of one senator and one representative can object to any of those votes not having been regularly given. That is not cast according to law. Huh, interesting. Following the 2004, so that would, again, possibly um, invoke the Pence card that they're talking about, right? Uh, following the 2004 election, for instance, um, Rep. Tubbs Jones um, of Ohio and Senator Barbara Boxer of California, a real awesome advocate for the people, uh, filed an objection against Ohio's 20 electoral votes, alleging numerous serious election regularities huh, in that state. But to sustain such an objective, both chambers must vote separately to do so. In the Ohio case, they both overwhelmingly rejected the challenge. Each state is supposed to submit one set of electoral votes to Congress, and that's what usually happens. Following, okay, well, we also know we had uh, like dueling electors too, right? So we know Trump put his um, his his votes in there with with Biden's. So there's a lot of things here that hasn't been done before in a very very long time. So a lot of this stuff is like whew, you can make your head explode. All the all the ways this plays out or could play out, or just the different paths. Um, anyways, this is uh, following the disputed. Uh, Hayes uh, Tilden election of 1876, in which three states submitted two conflicting sets of returns. Congress passed the Electoral Count Act to try to set rules in case such a thing ever happened again. Under that law, if two conflicting sets are submitted, say one by a Republican-run legislature and one by a Democratic governor, and the House and Senate cannot agree on which set is the legitimate one, then the electoral votes certified by that state's governor are supposed to prevail. That's crazy, right? Imagine having Kemp, right? Or imagine having Douchey. Yeah, uh, or Sisolak, or one of those guys, right? Um, so even stranger things are possible. So in 1960, the Hawaii's um, you know, governor first certified Vice President Richard Nixon's electors, but after uh, a recount certified by uh, Kennedy's electors, both slates of electors met and voted for their pledged candidate. When the time came for Congress to decide which slate uh, was the legitimate one, Nixon voluntarily deferred to Kennedy, assuming that the uh, usual ceremony counting goes smoothly this year. Vice President Pence will announce whether he and President Trump have their jobs for another four years or whether Joe Biden and Harris will take their place. All right. So a lot of good stuff there. A lot of good stuff there. And so this kind of reinforces this again. It says, can electoral votes be contested when Congress counts the votes in January? I'm kind of driving this stuff home for, for you here, fam. All right. So under federal law, an objection to the state's electoral votes may be made to the president of the Senate, all right, so that's Pence, during the Congress's counting of the electoral votes in January, the objection must be made in writing and signed by at least one senator and one member of the House, all right, so one congressperson, one senator. Both the Senate and the House of Representatives debate the objection separately, all right, so Senate's in one room, House in another, they debate whether, you know, they're going to let the, the votes, um, you know, stay or, or change. Debate is limited to two hours. After the debate, both the Senate and the House of Representatives rejoin and both must agree to reject the votes. All right. So we know that we've only got about 10 percent of patriots out there. So this gets this gets dicey. All right. This gets dicey. In January 2005, Ohio's 20 um, electoral votes were challenged after the debate. Like we just talked about, they decided um, not to, um, you know, to reject the votes. They, they let them count. Right, that was in Ohio. That was the Barber Boxer and Tubbs guy. All right, so this here um, is from Scott Anderson, I believe. No, sorry, this is um, it's from his his group, but this is by Jack Goldsmith, and this talks about some of the stuff that I was going to get into. Right, so this talks about some of the nightmares that as I was reading the Constitution, it's only four pages long. Right, it's only four pages long, but there's so many things that um, aren't exactly clear, and especially 
because things were written back when all this technology didn't exist. You know, I, how do you certify something? Is it just certified mail? Is it an email? It, so many things can be um, argued like we've seen so many times. I mean, in the beginning, check out this, right? So they had to make amendments to the Constitution because in the, in the beginning, they would cast votes and whoever got the most votes would be president and whoever got the second the second amount of votes that came in second place, that was the vice president. So you could imagine, imagine that today, right? Where you have, um, say, Trump wins and then you've got freaking Biden as VP. So things have changed over the years and it's still the most important, most beautifully crafted document aside from the Bible, of course. And it uh, grants us this amazing country we have if it's properly followed, which we, none of this, we, we wouldn't even be discussing any of this stuff here. People actually just followed the constitution if they followed the law, okay? You know, you can look at all these states where all the uh, where they took the the Zuck bucks, all these swing states, undeniable. They did not follow the Constitution. They broke their own Constitution. They broke the you know the U.S. Constitution. We don't we shouldn't even be talking about this stuff. So that's why I'm a little worried, right? Because um, they're obviously just doing things in plain sight. So, anyways, it says um, this is talking about uh, some of the craziness that could happen, right? So, but in today's hyperpolarized environment, we cannot and should not assume restraint or cooperation by anyone. It seems more likely that we would have dueling acting presidents issuing dueling commands, many non-political executive branch officials abiding by the commands of political appointees who would presumably, but not necessarily, follow Pompeo's orders. So I didn't I didn't discuss this yet. Let me read this and then I'll explain to you what why this could happen, right? So uh, follow Pompeo's orders. But many other non-political officials who would follow Pelosi's commands and doing mobs of pundits and citizens, all claiming with certainty to know the right answer. This is clearly the opposite of what any rational secession regime should aim to ensure certainty and continuity in the functioning of government. It would be a disaster for our country. The only way to resolve this uncertainty about the constitutionality of legislative succession <clears throat> in advance of a crisis is to adopt the commission's proposal to remove congressional leaders from the statutory line of secession, perhaps with a five-year delay before it becomes operative so that no one will know which party potentially benefits. We are not saying the Constitution compels this result, but this is the only way to ensure that a potentially debilitating fight about legislative secession does not occur. It is very hard to imagine this happening in the current environment. No, it's not. But just as we will surely better prepare for the next pandemic um, after suffering through the current one, we should better prepare for a double vacancy atop the executive branch if we're lucky enough to dodge the, the bullet this go around. All right. So again, anybody that's a uh, constitutional attorney out there, feel free to correct me um, if I'm if I'm wrong. But again, uh, there's two sides you know, to a coin. And of course, there's uh, an argument to be made on both sides. So when you um, when you look at things, right? So it talks about the secession. Why would that even matter, right? Um, we know that Trump won, right? So he's just going to be um, elected. You know, Pence is going to do the right thing. Um, you won't have to worry about this. Well, again, this is one of those things that can make your, your head blow, right? It's like there's so many different ways this could play out. So the way uh, it's supposed to work, if the president and vice president aren't picked, um, aren't um, officially announced by January 20th, um, what, at 12 p.m., yeah, noon, noon on January 20th, 2021. If they're not, then it's supposed to fall to uh, in line of secession, the next president, we're not well, acting president, the person that's going to act as president until Congress can figure out which president was rightfully you know, elected, there's going to be somebody there that takes the place. All right. So 
people have just been saying that it's um, that it's going to be uh, Pelosi, right? Well, first of all, we don't know that Pelosi is still going to be Speaker of the House because the new the new Congress uh, and Senate comes in on uh, January third, right? So we still don't know about that. So that's a variable. We also um, we don't know whether it's executive uh, versus uh, legislature. All right. So uh, executive, for instance, would be like Trump's cabinet. All right. It would be like his executive officials, which would be the first one, which would be Pompeo. All right. So Pompeo could actually be um, the acting president, which we know he's a he's a good guy. and We can count on him if it went to the executive branch or if it went to the legislative branch. And this has been contested for a long time. All right. And some people say it's just, you know, it's Pelosi. You're wasting your breath, your Beatles. But there's arguments on both sides. There really is. And this is how you could end up with doing presidents. Right. So if the uh, if, if Trump doesn't um, take office on January 20th um, at noon, you could have this play out where you could have you know, certain part of the country say, well, Pompeo is going to be the acting president until it's sorted out. And then you have another segment of the country that says, no, Pelosi, if she's still the speaker, would be acting president. Right. So there's craziness, right? Crazy stuff that could actually actually happen. None of this has to happen. All right. I mean, none of this has to happen. If people just do their damn jobs on January 6th, when they announce all these electoral votes, if Pence simply right then and there when he counts the votes, if he only counts the ones that don't have shenanigans, game over, right? Of course, you're going to have a segment of the population that is not going to be happy, all right? You're going to have a segment. But no matter what, you're going to have a segment of the population that isn't going to be happy, period. There's no way to avoid that. But I guarantee you, there is a crap ton more of us than there are freaking Biden supporters. I mean, you look at our videos. You know, I'm just a, a business guy, right? We get more views than Biden. He supposedly got 81 million votes. Are you kidding me? You look at Trump. He goes live. The whole world tunes in. He's got comments, likes, views, crazy, right? He's like, it's like the Super Bowl. Biden goes live. He's got like a thousand people. <laughs> you know, he gets on his total video, gets like 20,000 views. It's like, we all know what happened. So if that is uh, proven, and I really think that on January 6th, uh, it very well could be proven that um, that, that took place. Um Especially if if, the, if it has to go to the argument phase of things, where if um, if basically the Senate and the House, they go off and they argue because one senator, one congressperson challenged the electoral votes. I really think the best way to do it would have, if it has to go this far, uh, would have like something in crayon. Imagine like a, a PowerPoint for like kindergartners. All right. I'm not I'm not kidding. You treat these people like they're freaking six year olds. You have something like in crayon. All right. Little pictures, little bubbles, you know, like. And you've got, you know, a couple hours, right? So you would just have the people that are on the side of justice do this presentation, right? So for the Senate, you know, you got those six people, you know, the House, you got 53 people. So you have these patriots do these PowerPoint presentations in freaking crayon. You have, you know, five or 10 of them. They just give a little five minute thing. They just talk to them like they're children. They show them exactly what happened. They could just use the Peter Navarro report and just dumb it down even more. Like you have, you know, like two point, you have um, 1.7 million votes. Okay. You have 1.7 million votes go out. You have 2.3 million votes come back. There's 800,000 ballots that just came out of nowhere. So we should get rid of these. Do you agree? Like you just talk to them like they're freaking kids because we know that um, it's against their interests to see uh, Trump in there. Right. But hopefully this stuff would be televised. I don't know that it will or not, but man, could you imagine 
if this was televised, um, those those hearings, you know, the hour, two hours that they that they use per state, um, and you just do it in freaking crown. You just dumb it. You dumb it down. You know, this is a voting machine. When you push this button for Trump, it went to Biden. <laughs> you like you just it did this X amount of times. Or this vote for Biden counts as one point three. This vote for Trump counts as point seven. They should be one and one. You know, what I mean, just like freaking like like they're six year olds. That's what they should do if it goes that route. Anyways, so long story short, um, this is a very uh, complicated, um, you know, process that could happen. I had said that I don't think the 23rd is the ultimate date. I don't think that that was the Pence card. I, I mentioned that you can go back and watch the video. I said it'd be great if it happened. I'm not saying it won't. I hope it does. It'd be awesome. But I don't think that's the big date. The big date is January 6th. You can see that the secretaries of state, you can see that the governors, you can see that they've already certified and they've already transmitted their votes. However, you know, maybe it didn't come certified mail. Maybe it's just posted on the website, whatever. Everybody can see it. We know that it happened. So the big date that we have to watch is the 6th. All right. So the 6th is where Pence can totally. Um, and again, he, he has the, the Pence card on the 6th. All right. So, I mean, he's the, the president of the Senate. He is the one that counts the votes. What does that mean? Does he only count the, you know, the ones without shenanigans? Maybe if he does, well, guess what? Trump wins. Trump wins. End of story. If, if he doesn't and he allows this to go forward, then you've got people like Mo Brooks and all these other people that are going to contest it. And then they have these hearings. And then at the end of those hearings, if the Senate and the House say throw them out, then they throw out those votes. And we know that it would go to Trump. So lots of things that can happen. And if Congress doesn't figure it out and this goes beyond the 20th, well, then you could be looking at uh, Pompeo acting as president or you could be looking at uh, Pelosi acting as president. Or you could look at a total coup where they just completely throw all this stuff out. They don't pay any attention to the outright shenanigans. They completely betray the people. And then you've got a, a Biden regime, right? All kinds of things can happen here. We all know that Trump wins because nobody's going to stand for this stuff. We can already see people are, are getting very upset. People are, are at their wits end. And the shenanigans are just, they're overwhelming. You, you're tripping over them. You're falling over them. It's impossible not to admit that this stuff happened, that uh, Trump won in the largest landslide in our country's history period. So read the Peter Navarro report for any family members out there that are saying, Beatles, you're nuts. Accept it. Take the L. It's like, man, you know, it's like when you know that you've won, why in the world would you ever take the L? You know that you're right. If you suspect it, you know, it could have gone either way. So be it. You know what I mean? But this is just blatant. This is just right in your face. They did it in broad daylight. They robbed the bank in front of everybody. God, all the witnesses. And then they're like, nah, we didn't do it. We didn't rob the bank. Like, dude, we got you on camera. We all just saw you do this. Nah, look the other way, man. You didn't see anything. That wasn't me. It's like, dude, you've got the bags of cash on your back. It's like, nah, you didn't see anything. That's what's happening right now. That is what's happening. It's very, very blatant. So hopefully that helped a little bit. You can see how this can go all kinds of different ways. Um, again, I couldn't find any videos out there that I could point people to. So I try to do my best in explaining this. I'm sure I got some stuff wrong. I'm not a constitutional attorney. There's lots of them out there. Um, but again, they're, they're on both sides. So you'll get one person's view on one side. You get another person's view on another side. So again, it is, um, it's, it's going to get uh, wild. It's going to get wild. I told you all that for a while. I said, you know, buckle up, buckle up, strap in. And we're going for a wild ride, but we all know how it ends. Trump wins again. You know, it's like catching the bank robbers. <laughs> we all saw you did. So now we just need our justice system or our military or our elected officials to do the right thing.
But we know it's going to happen, and it's incumbent upon all of us to make sure that we hold these people accountable. We call them, we email them, we show up at these protests, we show up at these rallies. You know, we support Trump absolutely. Make sure that you know we're constantly sending him love and and letting him know that we've got his back. And don't care what you know. Just basically, just tune out um, all the naysayers because um, you know there's going to be a segment of the population that just simply won't admit this. Uh, they don't care because it benefits them. And then there's going to be some people that are just naive to it. And then there's going to be other people that are just angry, mean, vindictive, and that's just the way that they are. But anybody with an open mind, um, they'll see exactly what happened here. So what I don't know is what happened here. So we saw this in the chat. Let me check the chat really uh, quick. Quick Tongue twister there for me. Uh, let's see here. Yep. Love y'all. God bless y'all. You, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Jesus. <laughs> so we got uh, KNC Delivery uh, Insurrection Act. I mean, all that stuff can happen. You saw in that bill, they tried to take uh, the Insurrection Act off the table. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? You've seen, um, you know, the you saw Trump saying that he would not use martial law. And I said from the start that, hey, look, he doesn't have to use martial law. He could just use the uh, Executive Order 13848 that he created on September 12th of 2018. And that would essentially give him all the power that he needs to uh, to fix this. So he could take over the airwaves and show in crayon to everybody out there all the shenanigans that took place and how uh, he won. All the other countries, they know it. They're laughing at us. They're laughing at us. Our own people, you know, are being lied to by the media. And um, we all know they're in on it as <clears throat> they're in on it as well. So um, let's see here. So I saw people talking about um, Adam Schiff. So we know this traitor. All right. But we don't know is what exactly happened here. Everybody keeps saying, when are there going to be arrests? I'm not saying he was arrested, but God, I hope he was. <laughs> God, I hope he was. Wouldn't that be amazing? That's a nice way to start. Obviously, you know, we, we've heard that the first one's going to shock the world. This isn't going to shock the world, um, obviously. But uh, this would, be, I don't know what happened. Maybe he just got pulled off the plane. But it says right here, I'm currently at the Los Angeles, and this is from Agent Rhonda. All right. She says, I'm currently at the Los Angeles International Airport, LAX, and Congressman Adam Schiff was just being escorted back out of the terminal with about 15 LAPD airport police. I'm, uh, so that's what it says. Uh, he was taken to the Los Angeles FBI building and, was, and has not exited since going in um, a little after 10 a.m. this morning, my FBI source is telling me. So this could be a lot of things, all right? It could be maybe he's being briefed on some kind of national security issue. Uh, maybe something's taking place where he has to be briefed on that. Um, who knows what this could be? Um, it didn't say that he was in cuffs. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe there's just a perfectly logical explanation for this. I don't know, but God, that would be awesome if this uh, tool bag was um, arrested. That would make for a very nice, small uh, Christmas present uh, for all of us uh, patriots. Then we saw this. So Roger Stone, uh, Roger Stern says, I am suing Attorney General William Barr. Right. So I told everybody that I would hold judgment on, uh, on Barr, and I wouldn't uh, basically say one way or another on him until Christmas. So it's Christmas. It's still, still got a few hours, but it appears that uh, aside from, you know, arresting, you know, a bunch of bad guys, he arrested like with 6,000 uh, people under the different, um, you know, uh, I, I guess squads or whatever you want to call it that he led, you know, there's different, um, there's different, uh, crap, man, I'm pulling a freaking, uh, I got a mind blank here. 
But anyways, he put together these different organizations that would go out and arrest bad people, you know, in some of these uh, some of these states. So he did do that. Um, he did pardon uh, General Michael Flynn. But him being the the meme warrior that we were really uh, hoping for, you know, we were really hoping that he was going to go and, and help drain the swamp and finally hold people accountable. It looks like uh, he didn't do that. So it's uh, it's a disappointment. So he's very disappointing. I'm very disappointed. And in Barr, I was hoping for uh, for a lot more action. It's great that, you know, he, he did arrest a bunch of bad guys, uh, but they were like low level people. It wasn't uh, the, the people that we wanted to see. Right. It's like the, the Brennans and Comey's and Obama's and <laughs> all the stuff that people were speculating that he was going to do. So I'm, I'm disappointed in Barr. Hopefully uh, Rosin, um, you know, is going to do a much better job for us. We'll see. Again, I'm not going to put a ton of hope in it yet. Um, I believe uh, it's going to require uh, the military intervening. I really do it in some in some form. All right. So anyways, uh, Roger Stone. So we know that uh, he got pardoned. All right. And um, you can see this here that he is uh, a full and unconditional pardon from good old Donald Trump. And it says now that uh, <laughs> he's going to start suing people. So it says, uh, the terms of my pardon allow me to sue the Department of Justice, Robert Mueller, James Coney, uh, John Brennan, Rod Rosenstein, Jonathan Kravis, Aaron Fadass, Zelensky, Jenny Ree, and Michael Mirando. And uh, then it says, um, my lawyers will be filing formal complaints for prosecutorial misconduct with the DOJ Office of Professional Responsibility. At the same time, I file a $25 million lawsuit against the DOJ and each of these individuals personally. In fact, I'm going to add Bill Barr to the lawsuit and I will handle his cross-examination personally. So right there, it says it all. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. We will see what happens with that. But um, we definitely have these patriots here. It appears we could at least count on them for the uh, the end of America bill that uh, at 5,500 pages. So we have these 53 here that we can count on, um, possibly, <laughs> possibly. And then we've got these six here. So we've got about 10%, and we need these people to stand up and do the right thing. All right, let's see what else. All right, don't forget the immaculate deception. All right, do not forget, peeps. Make sure, fam, friends out there, do not forget. Make sure you share that with anybody that wants some proof that is just pretty much in crayon for people. Uh, this is not the new updated one. There's a crap. There's a 2.0 one. Um, anyways, you, you'll probably be able to find it on, uh, I think, yeah, this came from the war room. Yes, yeah, so this came from Brandon's war room. Um, anyways, here's the link to it. If you just go back to their uh, website, you'll probably find the newer version of it because there's a newer version where he adds in Michigan um, and I believe Pennsylvania as well. Good old Peter uh, Navarro. All right, so make sure you do that. Let me take a look here really quick, uh, see if I had um, forgot anything here. Um, all right, let me check the chat really quick. Yeah, Joe trying to wiggle his way into the White House. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah. <laughs> you got that right. All right, so um, anyways, there's the elected leaders that we can count on. I showed you that. Got uh, about 10%. All right, so we're going to definitely need some bold action. Definitely need some bold action. Let me stop sharing the screen really quick here. Where's that? Here we go. All right. Boom. Okay.
so what else do we got here? So we got, uh, let me check the guys on DLive. All right, so on DLive, don't forget, I'm going to uh, pay 15,000 limit out over there. Uh, anybody has questions or anything, make sure you hit me up. Hit me up in the chat. We'll go ahead and uh, answer some, some Q&A. As far as uh, Trump's multiple paths to victory. All right, so we kind of got you know into the weeds a little bit there on uh, January 6th and on January 20th and all the different things that can happen. Um, don't forget, too, that we also have the uh, the executive order that can totally change this thing in a matter of minutes, all right? Literally, like, in minutes, this could change with the 13-848 uh, uh, executive order. If you read through that, you'll see exactly what I mean. If he does that, boom. You know, we've got uh, Pence. He can throw things out on January 6th. We have that. We have the, um, you know, the contesting of the of the votes through the House and the Senate, right? We still have that. We have a gazillion freaking lawsuits out there that, if you look at these states, there's um, there, there's a lot of states where there the the amount of votes needed to turn it to Trump is like ten or twelve thousand votes. And we know if you just take like the dead people out of the election, yes, I didn't stutter, I didn't make that up. There's dead people. Okay, we're talking like millions of dead people across the United States that all got together and voted for Biden. Can't make this up. So if you just discount that, disqualify that, you know, and maybe you disqualify things like um, indefinitely confined, like we see there in Wisconsin, where there's like 200,000. Um, well, actually, yeah, there's like 200,000 uh, invalid votes just there in Wisconsin because of, I think, signature verification. Right. And again, a lot of these states, he only needs 10, 12,000, 50,000, something like that to win. So you have all these different Supreme Court cases. You have all these other district court cases, just them doing the right thing, them doing their damn job throwing out, um, you know, just like dead votes or uh, indefinitely confined people that say, hey, you know, I'm indefinitely confined. I can't leave my house. I had to vote that way um, where it was like like 50,000 last year or the last election this year. It's like 250,000 or 20,000 and 220,000. Anyways, there's a huge discrepancy and they've been able to show that all these indefinitely confined people weren't indefinitely confined. Either, you know, some of these people didn't even exist or, you know, they're out there skiing or out there on the beach. They're obviously not indefinitely confined. So we have all these different types of cases. You can go through the Navarro report. If they just do the right thing and they just set those aside, they get rid of them. I mean, even the Supreme Court ruling there in Pennsylvania. Remember, they said to stop counting, stop counting votes, 8 p.m. Stop counting them. Make sure you separate anything that comes on comes in after the after 8 p.m. They didn't do that. So that's like what six, seven, eight hundred thousand votes right there. More, you know, if you just get rid of. Anyways, what I'm getting at, <laughs> I could just keep going and going on this. There's so many shenanigans here. If the courts just do the right thing on one thing in these different states, it's over as well. So. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, we have um, all these different, uh, you know, special sessions. Right. So we're trying to get uh, the legislatures and all these different people to just do a special session, hear the shenanigans and do the right thing. So, again, it just boils down to people doing the right thing, which doesn't seem to be very uh, common nowadays. Looks like we've got Trump we can always count on. And it looks like maybe 10 percent of our uh, officials in Congress and Senate. Right. All right, so let's see here. Let's take a look here at the chat. Anybody have questions? Hit me up. Um, see, Slice Keeper, did we win? Of course. Let's see, Tanzi. Uh, let's see, Tammy Tanzi. Let's see. Let's see, William Barr. He's a good guy. He had to step down. His job is done. He is the head of the Casaro Casaro Finance Reset. Um, yeah. 
2021 is going to be beautiful. Maybe, maybe. Hey, again, I'm just disappointed on what we were expecting, right? What we were expecting versus what happened didn't happen. So, hey, maybe Barr, you know, did set everything up just like uh, Kim Webb is saying here. So Barr did set it all up for Rosen and Barr might be stepping into a new position. Maybe, maybe. But obviously, you know, I got my hopes up a little bit, hoping that he was going to be, him and Durham were going to be that white knight. Um, but again, um, that didn't happen. And it's okay. It's okay. Why? Because, Mike, we've been told so many different times, sometimes you need to see how bad things are before you fix them, right? So you, you have to walk through the darkness before you see the light. We're seeing how bad this is. It's right. It's at the precipice that we change. So we're seeing that play out. And I guess had they done what I had hoped and what many others had hoped, we never would get the full view that we're getting right now and how bad uh, this can get and how bad these leaders are. So Again, um, you know, maybe it's, um, you know, part of the plan, right? Maybe it's all part of the plan. Let's see. What else we got here? Uh, Drain the Swamp. What is up, AKA Action? What is up, my brother? Drain the Swamp. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yep. Let's see here. Uh, let's see here. Smiley. Uh, sm <laughs> Smile Maker? Smile Maker. What's up? Pretty sure Ray is still FBI. Yeah. Yeah. He's still at the head of the FBI. That's why I don't have a lot of faith in um, our, our current justice system. When you look at our DOJ or you look at the FBI, don't have a lot of faith. Not currently. Uh, let's see what else do we got here. We got a ton of chat. Love you all. God bless y'all. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Jesus. Dear baby Jesus. <laughs> Ricky Bobby. I don't know if you if you all see Talladega Nights. Those are some pretty funny prayers. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Tons of stuff here. Uh, was Frankfurt for the server or or Gina? Uh, so B-Dog, yeah, we heard reports that um, the Army went in there and took servers from, from uh, Frankfurt, Germany. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. That's what we heard. Um, again, we don't really need uh, that information. I mean, it'd be great to have, obviously, but we have enough proof of all the other shenanigans that uh, even without that, you know, we, we, we win undeniably. So we know we're going to win. We know we won. You know, we know that the bank was robbed in, in broad daylight. We caught the people. Now it's just a matter of getting people to do the right thing and and uh, arresting the crooks. All right. It looks like Mark Meadows. So we got Dave uh, Ballard. Ballard? Dave. I wonder if you're any relations to Rocky. Anyways, um, let's see. It says, uh, it looks like Mark Meadows is going against Trump. It, it seems like he's got some weak leadership around him for sure. You know, you got uh, Eric and Derek and Cicillione and um, possibly Meadows. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. You know, we're not a fly on the wall in there, but we definitely heard what um, Overstock uh, Burns, you know, what Burns said, right? So, you know, maybe maybe that's true. Um, I mean, obviously, we know that uh, the Sydney Powell part is true. Why do we know that? Well, Sydney Powell um, posted it on her Telegram saying that everything that uh, Patrick Burns said was true. So... It, it appears that he definitely has some very weak, cowardly, possibly treasonous leadership around him. And he's had it from the very beginning. And it looks like it's still there to today. It's hard to say, um, you know, if it's there uh, on, on purpose, like he's using it for disinformation, or if it's um, just him being betrayed yet again. Hard to say. But, uh, yeah, I, I saw a meme where he would have uh, Lynn uh, Wood. He would have Sidney Powell and General Michael Flynn 
you know, is, is basically, you know, his uh, attorney general, um, his uh, chief of staff. And then uh, what was the other one? I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was, what was it? I forget what the third position was, but I think it was like attorney general. Um, yeah. Anyways, imagine that. Imagine that all-star team with uh, Linwood and City uh, Powell and uh, General Michael Flynn. That would be freaking incredible. All right, we got, uh, let's see here, I don't trust Trump. So Douglas uses, I don't trust Trump after he played along with getting uh, the Rona and seems to love vaccines now. You know, again, I think that's, there's a, a huge um, possibility that he did that simply because there's such a large portion of the country that um, wants a vaccine. So he basically was always promoting therapeutics and he was usually discounting vaccines, but there's a large portion of the population that, that wants it. And we all know what's in it. We all know my stance on it. Um, but yeah, I hear you. That is very disappointing. I understand why he's doing it, but it's it's disappointing when you're, when you're trusting him that they're safe, when obviously the CDC's own reports are showing it's not. So that is disappointing. I understand why he's doing it. Still love him, still trust him, but I'm disappointed for sure in that. All right. Uh, let's see. James. Again, sorry, brother. It says, uh, yeah, Rob, a healthy skepticism of the justice system is warranted. Uh, they have all done a lot to betray us with deception and failures to act. They cannot be trusted. Yeah, I mean, proof is in the pudding, right? It's um, it's not what they say. It's what they do. When you can see all the different crimes that have taken place, you can see all the things that Trump supporters and people close to him have been indicted, arrested, you know, gone to prison for them. I mean, Yet the people that do the very same thing on the opposite side, the Justice Department doesn't do anything at all. So we know that we've been betrayed for sure. And it's um, it's it's obvious that we definitely need we need people to do the jobs. Yep. We need some intervention for sure, because it doesn't look like our justice system is going to fix itself. All right. What else do we got here? We got a whole bunch of stuff. I've also got a cool video for you uh, that we'll play at the end on the way out. But it's always great to uh, to hang out with the fam here. You know, we got to remember what Christmas is, is really about. It's, you know, about the, the birth of, you know, our Lord and Savior. And, and uh, you know, presents and stuff are cool. But uh, it's, it's all about Jesus and spending time with, with family and friends and uh, celebrating the day and some a good, healthy, good, healthy dose of civil disobedience, making sure that you, you're with family and friends for what appears to have, uh, less effect than the traditional flu, because we know that these institutions and we know that these um, health organizations, whatever you want to call it, look to be inflating the numbers like crazy. Um, on the Rona, it has almost 100% uh, cure rate. You know, we've um, the flu, uh, influenza, uh, pneumonia is like dropped down to like 5%. So where's the other 95%? I guess the Rona took out the flu. I don't know. But when you have hospitals and all these places being incentivized to put everything as the Rona, you see what happens. People, they're going to game the system if they can. And um, it's really unfortunate that um, that these elected leaders are, are locking are locking the citizens down. This this hasn't happened before, uh, not, not in our country. And this is uh, pretty horrible. This is, like I've said from the very beginning, this is about uh, submission, not safety. This is about control, not compassion. And that's exactly what we're seeing all over the place. You're, you're seeing people that you know can't get to their loved ones, that um, that are dying, that die without anybody around them. It's it's a horrible thing. Then you see these same elected leaders that are locking people down. Um, people like 
Dr. Burks, for instance, y'all, y'all saw that she got caught traveling with like three different generations of, of her family after she's telling everybody to stay home and stay safe and basically stay locked in. Yet she's doing the exact opposite. And she has some lame excuse saying, oh, my, my parents weren't eating. Well, what do you tell the people that, you know, whose parents are dying? What do you tell the, you know, the people that, that lost their parents that they weren't able to actually see? You know, again, it's more of this crap that the rules are for thee, not for me. And you've seen that from all these elected officials where they're on their private jets going off to see family and take vacations or, oh, they're locking all of us in. So remember that. Remember that, fam. This, again, is about submission, not safety. So some civil disobedience is definitely in order. Our founding fathers would not have ever allowed this to happen and they would have stood up. And that's what happened. And that's what happened in 1776. Don't forget it. You know, taxation without representation, all that kind of good stuff. That is what we are seeing today, but way worse, way worse. We have elected leaders not looking out for us. We have leaders that weren't even voted in, like these Fauci's and Burks and all these people, these Bill Gates. They never voted for these people. Well, why in the world are they in charge of our health? It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So anyways, it's about Christmas. It's about celebrating. So feel free to... I know that I'm going to be around a lot of friends and family today that um, I got to get to here pretty soon. And I could care less what any of these um, these draconian measures are. All right. Because I love my family, love my friends. I'm going to spend time together and celebrate uh, Jesus's birth and, and hang out with each other. All right. Let's take a look here. Let me uh, go over before I forget again on DLive. We got uh, I got to pay out, like I said, 15,000 lemons. And uh, the top con- contributors on the stream is Miss Lady. I can't read um, your entire uh, name there. It just says Miss Lady, CB Joey, and then MC Huds. So love y'all, Miss Lady, CB Joey, and MC Huds. I'm going to make it rain on you here pretty quick. So let me figure out how to do this chest. All right, here we go. So custom, I'm going to add another 10,000 items. There we go. You can add up to 10,000 limits. Oh, crap. I can only add 10,000. It's going to make a liar out of me. So, all right. So in the chest right now, crap. Let's see. How can I let me do it? MUD Lab. Let's see. You can add up to zero to 10,000 lemon resets every Sunday midnight. So per week. What? Points that aren't distributed will be transferred back to your limit account. So let me do 5,000. Let's, let's see what I... I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah, this thing is... Uh, it's messing with us. I'm trying to give out these 15. It looks like I just distributed. It looks like it was maybe 135. I'm going to try and do it again. But that is not cool. Because I've got uh, a lemon balance of 16,693. And I was trying to give out 15,000 of it. Don't know what's going on here with DLive. That's not cool. Not cool. Let's see what I can do here. All right, let's see. Jack Martin, what is up, brother? 
I don't bend my knee to anyone but Jesus Christ and my Father God. Love you, Robert. Love you too, my brother. And that is 100% true. Yeah. Let's see. AKA Action, please uh, hit them likes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's see what happened over here on DLive. So, man, it only gave out, I don't know what, what the deal is. I'm going to see if I can give out more. But right now it says luckiest followers are Miss Lady Drifter, CB Joey 321, Big Sexy Anon. What is up, brother? Just V, Lee's worth everything. Yes, you are. So those are the uh, the top followers. Let's see if I can do the chest again. Let me refresh the whole thing. Let's see if that see if that helps. Let's try the chest, custom. Let's see if I can get two thousand. Nope. Let's see here, five thousand. Man, it's not let me do it. Well, you want me to do a thousand? What is going on here? What do you want me to do 50? Huh. What is going on? I'm so sorry, D Live fam. I will uh, try to figure out. I'll, I'll talk to I'll talk to support, see how uh, I'm able to fix that in the future. But on the next one, I'll if I can do it, I'll I'll give out as much as I possibly can. I'll try to give out fifteen thousand on one of these things. Anyways, very, very sorry. All right. Um, let's see here. Let me check the chat really quick. All right. Oh, um, anybody that wants uh, books or uh, crypto, so books or crypto, um, just go ahead and hit me up at CryptoBeatles.com. Hit the little um, subscribe to the email list. Even if you've already subscribed, it doesn't matter. Just put what you want in there, the, the book or 1,000 Monarch tokens. And we'll pick the first uh, 10 people for a book, and we'll pick the first 20 people for crypto. And we'll get that out to you right away. Will or Tom will get you taken care of. And, um, yeah, you know, again, you know, it's uh, the day of the day of uh, our Lord and Savior. Um, make sure that we all enjoy each other's time and, um, you know, make sure we celebrate the reason, you know, what the day is really about. And for people that are still, you know, worried about uh, Trump and they're worried about, um, you know, it not going our way, we already know that he won. We already know that he's going to win again. There's so much evidence and proof. Make sure you show that decept uh, the immaculate deception. And it uh, reminds me of, of Proverbs uh, 2130, where it says that uh, nothing clever, nothing conceived, um, nothing contrived can get the better of God. And then one of my favorites, of course, is uh, Proverbs 21, 30 through 31, which says, do your best, prepare for the worst, then trust God to bring victory. We all know that's going to happen. We all know that it's going to get better. And um, we all know that we need a new party. We can see we've been failed by both. We need new representation. Um, we need Trump to take some bold action here because we've been failed by most all of our elected leaders and even the ones that are there that I don't think were properly elected. Um, we know that this is uh, totally in God's hands. We know that uh, he wins, but that, uh, again, we got to use some, some civil disobedience. We have to reject some of their um, corrupt and unconstitutional laws and mandates and, and uh, hold these people accountable. Make sure that they know that we're not happy with them and we're going to require that they do their job. Um, you know, that, and I've always said that, uh, again, we've got to uh, we got to stand up, right? We got to stand up. You know, we got to stand out. We got to show up. We got to speak out, and we cannot go quietly. So, all that stuff said, um, you know, it always has to be done uh, peacefully, of course. All right, I love you all, and um, appreciate uh, everybody hanging out with us here. It's been it's been fun, been a great time. Hopefully, you get some value out of um, everything we went over with the electoral process and the way things can can pan out. Um, we know that uh, again, Trump's going to win. He already did. So. 
stay tuned. It's going to be a, a bumpy and wild ride and get ready to, uh, you know, at the end of it, be able to show everybody, tell everybody, told you so. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. Told you so. It's coming. That day is coming for us. So, all right, let me, uh, let me get out of here. Let me uh, find the video for you all. Everybody can get, uh, get on with your, your Merry Christmas. Uh, love you all. God bless you all. Let me find the video here. There we go. All right. So some of you may have seen this already, but I think it's appropriate. And I think it's uh, it's beautiful. And if you see uh, like Biden's videos, horrible. The guy can't even spit out a sentence, right? You want to like give him a tool belt just to help build him a sentence. And you're saying, oh, this guy got 81 million votes. Nah. No, he did not. So we all know that. And our victory is coming. So God bless you. Love you. Merry Christmas. And we'll be back. Probably uh, probably Sunday. Maybe we'll do a Sunday, and then we'll do a Wednesday stream, and maybe a maybe a Friday stream. And then tomorrow we'll be on Methods. So we'll be on Methods uh, show there on DLive. So catch us there as well on Methods show. So, all right, enough of my rambling. Here we go. Love you. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, happy birthday Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States and Mrs. Trump. Well, thank you very much, everyone, and a very Merry Christmas to all. It's going to be a great year. Tonight, we're honored to continue the nearly 100-year ceremony of lighting the National Christmas Tree. That's really something. I want to thank the National Park Foundation, the National Park Service, and students from all across the country who helped us really with such a magnificent tree. They designed it. They put up the ornaments, and they're very, very special. The First Lady will do a very special honor also of right now lighting the National Christmas Tree. And please join me from your homes and all over the country and, in fact, all over the world as we light our great tree. We'll start with five, four, three, two, one. recommendations or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of Robert Beatles and his guests. Robert Beatles is a co-founder of the Monarch Wallet. 
host of Trading New Sessions, Crypto Beatles on YouTube, and on several entities. Robert's opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. Robert Beatles is not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is super dangerous. You can lose all of your money, so always trade at your own risk. Please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the family. God bless you. Love you. And I'll catch you on the next one.